0: You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. I want you to get your Bibles ready, notepads and books. We're going to move very fast. There's so much that I want to cover and I want you uh, to be ready. Now, the title of the message is How to Navigate Through the Storms of Life. And I want to take a moment this morning to share a testimony of what we've, we've been through and where this came from. This time... Exactly a year ago, my children and my parents were involved in a car accident. And so we were in the U.S. And uh, during that time, uh, my parents came to visit us. And uh, I was scheduled to preach in New York uh, during that uh, weekend. And uh, my parents came and they said, listen, we'll stay with the children. And then um, your wife, my wife Zandia, she'll be here. um, She can go with you. And uh, we went... um, to to New York and uh, five minutes before the service started I received a phone call from my dad and he said listen we were just involved in a car accident I said to him listen um, I want to speak to my children immediately put on the camera I want to speak to them and so my dad put the camera on and our children were scattered on the grass I said to my dad walk to my son uh, the oldest um, and he walked over to him and I said to him look at me Everything is going to be okay. I'm going to come as quickly as I can. I said to my dad, Walk over to my second son. And he walked over to him on the grass crying. I said, Look at me. Everything is going to work out. Everything is going to be okay. As quick as I can, I'll be there. And then the paramedic said to my dad, He said, Sir, your hand is broken. I I need you to put the phone down. And so we lost contact with our children. We lost contact with um, my parents. They were all sent to different different hospitals and different ambulances. And this is five minutes before the service. And uh, so the leadership was just really incredible and they said, listen, what do you want to do? We can have someone right now that can drive you from New York to Orlando immediately. What do you want to do? And uh, we figured out even if we drive that if we take the flight the next morning we will still be there earlier than driving. And so he said, what do you wanna do? You still wanna continue with the service? And I said to him, sir, I'm gonna preach, even if this is the last meeting that I do. But I just ask you that you don't tell anyone what's happening or what we're going through at this moment, um, but we're gonna do the service. And so, I mean, family, it was the toughest service I've ever done in my life. I mean, standing there, preaching the word, prophesying, and not knowing you know, what is waiting for us. My wife running in and out of the service, trying to, to locate the children, trying to locate my parents, trying to figure out where they're going, what's happening. and uh, uh, But we pushed through. We did the service. The next uh, morning, we took the earliest flight that we can. Um, at four in the morning, we got up and um, we uh, took the flight. And we only arrived in the afternoon at the hospital uh, with the children. But my parents and children were, were sent to one hospital, and when they arrived there, the hospital decided immediately to airlift the children to a different hospital that uh, would take uh, better care of them. And so they moved them to a different hospital. So we arrived in the afternoon at the hospital. I walked into the hospital and we had a team um, that welcomed us and they sat us down. And uh, a neurosurgeon and his team explained to us the situation. And he said to me, sir, you have to understand that both of your children will never walk again. And we sat there and he, he, they explained the situation to us. You know, it's something in the medical field that we do not understand. We've never been through a crisis. We, we don't know, you know, um, what they can do or not. And so we're sitting They're showing us the X-rays and, and going through everything. And um, so they said, now in America, it's a bit different from South Africa. In America, parents um, uh, have to decide what they wanna do. They cannot decide if, you know, on your behalf, uh, whether the children need to get surgery or not. They present the case. And then as parents, you decide, do you want to go forward or not? It's your decision. And so we met with two different boards. One board is pro-surgery. So they basically say, listen, this is it. This is the reason. And then there's another board that basically, um, you know, are against surgery. And they they try to find other ways. And so both of these boards sat down with us. And both of these boards, their recommendation was surgery. They need surgery. So as parents, we said, listen, we want the best help that we can get. Whatever you say, I mean, if you say that this is is what they need, then that's what we need to do. And so we agreed that the next morning that um, they can go into surgery. Um, And uh, so the children hasn't eaten. They've prepared them to go into surgery the next morning. Um, We stayed with the kids through shifts. And so my wife went back to the hotel and uh, I stayed with them through the night. And I want to say to you honestly, as a parent, when you're standing there, it's just too difficult to pray. I stood there, even as a man of God, I knew what the Word said, but I couldn't get a word out. I've got a picture where I stood in ICU, intensive care, between the two of the boys. We moved them to the same uh, the room, but I stood there and it was just, you know, difficult standing there and facing this. And so at that moment, we started to reach out to uh, a couple of churches, friends and family, people that we know, and we asked them to please pray for us. I started to receive Messages, voice notes, and, um, and people that just connected with us. And I want to take this moment to salute Apostle Allen He was a voice at that moment, a calm voice, a voice of faith at that moment to help us to navigate in, in that moment, to be able to do um, and, and make decisions. And so as I stood there through the night, I just couldn't pray. But at all these messages that came in, and I decided through the night that I will take those voice notes and prayers, and I will just play it over the kids through that night. And so from um, right through the night till 6 a.m. the next morning, I just played those those prayers. Churches, people, friends praying for us, I just played it over the children throughout the night. The next morning, they came to collect them for surgery, and uh, they have incredible, I mean, the medical field is just incredible what they have, and and, uh, they had so many different teams that were working on the kids simultaneously. And uh, there was a team that was uh, busy making braces, um, made a a full brace and they took the measurements and that team were back there to come and make sure that the measurement's exactly right, that when they get out of surgery that those braces are ready um, for them to to wear. And so the neurosurgeon came to collect my son for surgery, the first one, and um, this team was there and he said, the neurosurgeon said, he said to them, listen, see if you can fit that brace. And they were busy turning him on his side and trying to fit the brace. And then the neurosurgeon said, he said, see if you can stand. And my son stood up out of the bed. And so as a, as a, as a parent, I didn't really know what he can do or not. So I didn't think much of it. Uh, you know, I do not know what, what's possible, or not possible. And the neurosurgeon said, it is impossible for him to stand. Because there's, there's nothing that upholds his back. Both ligaments are torn on both sides. The back is completely off. There's no way. And so the neurosurgeon said that the radiologist, they messed up the x-rays. And he said he needs to go back again. Now, remember, we already agreed for surgery. Everything is ready. He's going into surgery. And so the neurosurgeon said he's going to send one of his colleagues with my son to take the x-rays again and to come back and then, you know, they'll they'll discuss it with us. Because they said something was wrong, you know, the angle of the x-rays, and so they went back, took the x-rays again, and he came back, and he said, listen, no surgery needed. And um, four days later, both of the boys were back home. It's it's, a year now, and uh, both of my boys are running around. There's no mark, no scar. Never been in pain. Nothing. Nothing. We know that God did a miracle. Doesn't matter how they want to explain it, we know that God did a miracle. And so in this storm, I've learned valuable things. And I want to share that with you this morning. I want to share five points with you this morning, how to navigate through the storms of life. As we went through the storm There's many things that I picked up and learned. And so I formulated a message to teach you and equip you that when the storm comes, that you will be ready to navigate through that storm. Now when this happened to us, there's an urgency that came upon me. There's an urgency that came upon my family. And we have never been as dedicated and as committed to the gospel as we are now. And so whatever the enemy tried to do, Whatever the enemy tried to come and steal and kill and destroy in our lives only made us more dedicated, more focused on the the gospel. And there's an urgency that came upon us where I realized that people need to be ready. Doesn't matter what comes against you, that you need to be equipped that when the storm comes, that you can navigate through that storm and get to the place that God has intended for you. I want you to get ready to write down. I'm going to share five principles with you that I've learned through this storm that helped me to navigate. Now, family, it's not if the storm comes, it's when it comes. All of us are going to go through a storm at some stage in our lives. But it's never God's intention that we get lost in the storm. God wants to see us get through the storm and get to the place that is destined for us. And so, number one, I want to share with you that you need to take your stance. Every person needs to make up their mind that when the storm comes, what will your response be? You cannot wait for the storm to come and then in the storm decide what your response will be. The reason is that you are going to respond emotionally and you are going to say and do things in the storm that will take you a lifetime to recover from. And so therefore you need to make up your mind when the storm comes, what will your stance be? Now, I've decided personally before the storm that doesn't matter what happens in my life, doesn't matter what I go through, I've taken my stance that God is only good. And it doesn't matter what I face or what I go through, God is only good. That is my stance. And no one can convince me out of it. You can bring the evidence and you can say to me, Andre, look at what happened. I refuse to believe it. I've taken my stance that God is only good. And I refuse to believe anything else. I want to read a scripture to you in Acts chapter 27, verse 25. This is Paul that is in the storm. And so Paul received a word from God and he's taking his stance. He says, so keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he has told me. As a Paul is going through, he's in the storm in this, in this moment. And in the storm, he's taking his stance. He's saying, listen, I believe it will happen just as God has told me. And you need to decide. I want to encourage you to take the time and pray if you haven't done it already and decide now what will your response be. And the reason is that you cannot take another man's stance. When you go through the storm, you need to decide what your response will be. You cannot do what you heard someone else did. You have to make up your mind. What is your response going to be when a storm comes? I've made up my mind that God is only good. And so I've sat down with my family and with my children and I've said to them that, listen, if we would go through a storm ever again in our lives, this will be our stance. God is only good. No matter what we face, this is the stance that we'll take. And so make up your mind and decide What will your response be? Number two, how to navigate through the storms of life. Number two is the shepherd's voice. I believe that every person needs a shepherd in their life. And the reason is that when you go through the storm, your shepherd will have insight into the storm that you don't have. They will see things and pick things up that you are blinded for at that moment. And so if you have a shepherd in your life, they can help and their voice can help to navigate you through the storm that you're facing. Now I want to explain something to you and I want to make it clear this morning that a shepherd can have a thousand sheep but a sheep could not have a thousand shepherds. And so there must be a voice that can speak into your life that can help you and navigate you through the storm. Now, I want to say to your family, I have people, as a man of God, I have people 20 years ago, 20 years ago, that told me, listen, you can speak into my life. But today, their hearts have grown so far from me that I don't have the boldness anymore to speak into their lives. And so even though you have a shepherd in your life, do they still have the boldness to speak to you? Or has your heart grown from them and there's distance that they don't? And so if there's a shepherd in your life, they need to know that they are your shepherd. And so in my situation, there was things that I did not see in the storm. And because I have a shepherd, he mentioned certain things. He said, Andre, listen, you've got to be careful of this and this now. And he pointed things out that I did not see at that moment. That because of his shepherd's voice, he could lead me and navigate mean, the storm. our family, I think there's times where God Himself is confused as to who is your shepherd. Because people jump from place to place and voice to voice to voice to voice that there's stuff that God is trying to get to you, but God doesn't know who to give it to. Because every week there's a different name. And so there's things that God wants to release upon your life, but there's just no channel. If I had the time this morning... And I mean, this is something that's that's very serious to me because I want to help you to navigate through the storms. If I had the time this morning, I would have loved to go through this room and ask every individual here, who's your shepherd? Who's the shepherd's voice in your life? Who is the person that can speak into your life? I've done, over the years, I've done business coaching and I wanna say this to you that every person that I've coached, 60 and above, The number one problem that I find in their lives when I coach them is they've come to a place of no accountability. And so they've become successful, but there's just no one that can speak into their lives anymore. And this is something that I want you to realize today that you arrive at church broken and broke, and then there's a person that starts to journey with you, and you start to grow. And for some reason, people think that as their wealth level increases, they think their wisdom and, level and spiritual level increases with that. And so that person gets to a place where no one can speak into their lives anymore. But I want you to realize that even though you start to prosper on a wealth level, it does not mean necessarily that your wisdom level and spiritual level is growing to the same place. And so it's vital for you to have someone that can speak into your life. When it comes to my shepherd, I say to him, listen, you don't have to explain anything to me. Just tell me what I have to do. You don't have to apologize. You don't have to, just tell me, whatever. Because I know that his intention is to help me to get to a better place. It's not to break me. It's not to control me. He wants to cultivate the best inside me so that it can start to produce. And so in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 16, verse 1, We see two voices in the life of David. We see Jesse and we see Samuel. Jesse is his natural father and his natural father does not have the ability to see the gifting and potential in his life. But then there's a shepherd's voice in the life of David and he has spiritual insight into his destiny and into his future. And so 1 Samuel 16 verse 1, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. And so here Samuel walks into the life of David and he has insight into his life that no one else sees. He can see things that David himself could not see at this moment or even those that are around him. This is a sign of the shepherd's voice. I want you to make sure that you have a shepherd in your life. And make sure that they know that they are your shepherd. The third thing that I want to share with you is your confession. A couple of years ago, I was uh, in a meeting exactly in 2010. I was at a meeting and uh, after the meeting, uh, the, the speaker took me to an airfield. And uh, we walked onto this airfield and he showed me an aircraft. And he said to me, do you know where this aircraft came from? And I said, no, sir, I've got no idea. And he pointed to his mouth. And it didn't make any sense to me (laughs) at that moment. And then later I realized that he was speaking about his confession. And he was saying that I was speaking this into existence. And so what I did is I took a week. I took different translations in the Bible. I sat for a week and I wrote my confession sheet. And so it's four pages long and... um, I took the Bible, the promises of God, and I wrote my own confession sheet. And I made sure that I put everything in that confession sheet, everything. And so from the year 2010, I started to pray my confession sheet. I've made multiple copies of that. I've got it in my bag as I travel. I've laminated it, I've even put it up in the shower. And so every now and again, if I have time, I take out that confession sheet and I start to pray it. I speak those things over my life my marriage, my finances, my children. Listen, I started to pray for my wife long before I married her. I started to take the promises in the Word and that is in my confession sheet. Now, I want you to understand that your confession sheet is not positive affirmations. If you take my confession sheet, everything that I've written down points to a scripture in the Bible. It's not just positive things that I've wrote down there. Everything. But I made sure that I covered everything. And so I was involved in a situation, a legal matter uh, recently. And in this legal matter, they said to me, listen, where does all these things in your life come from? And I pointed to my mouth. And I realized that everything that's written in my confession sheet has manifested in my life. Now, this confession sheet that I'm speaking about, it's dated, I wrote it in 2010. And so it's not, I didn't start to confess it yesterday. I have a confession sheet that I'm walking with and I want to encourage you to take the time and write your confession sheet. The reason is that when you go through a storm, you might not feel like praying, but then you take out the confession sheet. And you can start to pray and speak that word over your life, over your circumstances. You are armed and ready as you go through the storm. And so in the book, Of Psalms 45 verse 1, David writes, he says, My heart is stirred by a noble theme as I recite my verses for the king. My tongue is the pen of a skillful writer. Not just a writer, a skillful writer. So I want to encourage you to take the time and write a confession sheet over your family. Every five years you can adapt it, you can change it, you can add to it. But make sure that you have a confession sheet that you can confess over your life the principles of the word of God over your family before the storm comes, before the challenge comes, that you have armed yourself and you are ready no matter what you face in life. Point number four is the meditation of your heart. When I went through the storm, my shepherd phoned me and he said, listen, you've got to watch your heart now. You've got to be careful what you allow to come into your heart right now in the storm. And because of the shepherd's voice, I could cover and I could make sure because as I stood there, bitterness wanted to come into my heart. There's a lot of things that ran through my mind and there was a lot of questions that came. There was, there was people that responded negatively and said that you are a preacher, a man of the gospel, but God could not even take care of you. And in that moment, I had to navigate through these things and I had to protect my heart and I had to cover myself and make sure that I do not allow any bitterness to come into my heart at that moment and so in the book of Psalms 19 verse 14 he says may these words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight Lord my rock and my redeemer this is David speaking and he's basically saying Lord 24 hours a day, if you look at the meditation of my heart, may it be pleasing in your sight. Whatever is in my heart. Now, I've found that if I get up in the morning, the first thought that I have, my heart meditates through the day. I've also found that when I go to bed at night, the last thought that I have is which my dreams are full of. And in something that we can decide what will that thought be. I want to encourage you when you wake up in the morning, don't let Instagram be the first thing you go to. The first thing that you go to, look at the Word of God. Put it in your eyes. I've found that if you get up in the morning and you wake up with an argument, even if you have the best day, your heart is troubled through the day because it meditates that constantly. And so be careful of the meditation of your heart, of what you put in there. Now, family, as I stood there in the intensive care uh, between the boys, you know, um, before the miracle, as I stood there, something happened to me and the Lord sp- spoke to me and he said to me, Andre, who is to blame? And I stood there and immediately I thought, you know, maybe, maybe we should have taken the children with us. No, maybe it's the driver. Now maybe it's the other driver. And I'm trying to, to figure out who's to blame. It's interesting that the enemy comes to kill, steal and destroy And he wants to put the blame on someone else. And for some reason, it makes us feel better when we blame someone. When we put the blame on someone. And so in that moment, I'm thinking, who's to blame? And as I think, you know, who's the person? Who can I put this on? Jesus says to me, Andre, I'll take the blame. And as he said it to me, because of my love for him, immediately... All that bitterness left my heart. Everything. He said, I'll take the blame. Don't blame it. Don't put it on them. I'll take the blame. I'll take it on the cross. And immediately, right there, I was set free of every form of bitterness, disappointment, that had that wanted to creep into my heart. Now, family, I'm going to pray with you this morning because there might have been a time in your life where you went through the storm and you did not protect your heart. And in the storm, bitterness came in, disappointment came in, and it's been years later and you're still struggling to trust God for certain breakthroughs because of that disappointment. And that's exactly what the enemy wanted to accomplish. He wanted to take your boldness away that you can trust God for every area of your life, but you don't have the boldness to trust Him for that area. And we sit and we camp around that pain and we're trying to figure out Why did it not happen? I want to be honest with you. There's just some questions that I don't have answers for. But I've taken my stance, God's only good. All that I know is only good. And so I don't know why you went through that. But what I do know is you have to move on. The enemy wants you to sit there and wait and continue to mourn while there's a life and a destiny that God that's waiting for you to, to be unraveled, to be fulfilled. And as t- today, you're going to be ignited once again to get back into the call, get back into the purpose that God has designed you for. And so lastly, number five, is prayer and worship. I want you to hear this morning, the book of Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. It says, Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I came in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. When we pray, there's an immediate response from heaven. Immediately. It doesn't feel that way, but there's a response immediately. And once you are in the storm, The enemy discourages you and says, do not pray because you you don't feel like it. But I want you to know that it will help you to navigate through the storms of life because in that moment when you pray, there's an immediate response. You know, one of the most powerful prayers that I have in my life goes like this, help There's times where I went through storms and the only thing that I could get out is help. 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 Help me, Lord. I need you. I can't do this without you. All that I could get out. But when you pray at that moment, there's an immediate response. And there's times where we think that God as a father has to know everything. And so people are saying, you know, I don't have to pray because God knows what I need. I've got uh, two children now, a nine-year-old and a five-year-old. And in my five-year-old's life, there's times where you know, he, he, he makes a lot of noise, he screams and cries, and I've got no idea what he's saying. And what I, what I do is I just calm him down and I'm trying to figure out, understand what, is, what does he need. And as a father, I want to provide. I think sometimes it's exactly the same way with God. As we are screaming and complaining and God is saying, just ask me. Just ask me what you need. No, but you need to know. No, just ask me. Ask me, what do you need? And so we need to approach God as a father. And whatever our needs is, we need to approach Him and say, Lord, this is this is my need. I ask you for these things. Help me in these things in my life. I want to just recap on these five things as you navigate through the storms of life. Number one, you need to take your stance. Number two, you need a shepherd's voice in your life. Number three, you have a you need a confession that as you go through the storm that you can confess it over your life. Number four, be careful of your heart. Watch, watch your heart, what enters into your heart. The meditation of your heart. And then number five, prayer and worship. Both of it is as powerful. I want you to close your eyes for a moment as I pray with you this morning. i want to give you the time right now and I believe that God can set you free in one moment. Just as I stood there in intensive care and as I as I uh, prayed right there, he took all bitterness out of my heart in that moment. I wanna ask you, if you went through a storm and you did not take a stance and in the storm, disappointment came into your heart, in the storm, rejection, in the storm, bitterness came into your heart because you did not protect your heart. I wanna trust God today that those of you that are watching right now that God would set you free. And I want you to respond right now just to the Lord and say, Lord, heal me. Come and purify my heart. Come and heal my heart. Come and set me free. Forgive me for the fact that I've made the wrong choices and set things emotionally in that storm. Forgive me. And today I pray that boldness will be released back to you so that you can stand again and pray and trust God unconditionally, for everything in your life. Father, I pray right now for every person. Father, I pray and ask that you would forgive us that, Lord, during the storm, we said things and we did things that was not contrary to your word. So, Father, I pray that you would come and if bitterness has entered our hearts or disappointment, rejection, doubt, that you would come and set us free from what has entered our hearts in that moment. Father, forgive us that we did not stand on the word, that we did not hold on to you. Forgive us for what we said and for what we spoke, Lord. I pray, Lord, that those words that we spoke, that you would come and set us free and release us from that. Father, right now, I pray for a boldness to come upon your people, a boldness to pray, a boldness to approach your throne, a boldness to run to you no matter what they face, no matter what they go through. We do not know the answers of, of every question that's out there but what we do know is that you are good and we choose today from this moment forth to believe that you are only good. We pray that in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen.